story, the Rabbi of Kotsk asks a group of very learned people this question, and they all laugh because it's quite a obvious question. He's not the whole earth filled with his glory. If I was God, I would want to dwell in something magnificent, in a place of great beauty or transcendent power. And then the Rabbi answers his own question. God dwells wherever a man lets him in, wherever a woman lets him in. And so our prayer as we begin a journey together, is God, would you come and dwell with me? I can't. I can't be the person or live the life that I know I want to or that I should. Would you come live it in me? Would you come live it with me and for me? Dallas Willard has this wonderful book, Renovation of the Heart. We'll be going on a journey together through how does God renew a mind and a will and a body and relationships. But he writes about how we can be overwhelmed sometimes and make spiritual life way more complex than it actually is and forget its simplicity. Now, the simplicity of spiritual formation, he writes, lies in its intention. Its aim is to bring every element in our being, thoughts, feelings, choices, relationships, body, habits, working from the inside out, into harmony with the will of God and the kingdom of God. This is the simple focus. We must keep it constantly before us and not be distracted by other things, however good they are. Just this simple, God, come live with me. God, come be with me. Your will be done. Of course, we can't realize this goal on our own, Dallas says, but the good news is we don't have to. God has made a provision. God says we can grow in grace. He writes, the greatest saints are not those who need less grace, but those who consume the most grace, who indeed are most in need of grace, those who are saturated by grace in every dimension of their being. Grace is to them like breath. Sometimes we think about grace as though it was an eraser, just getting rid of our mistakes. No, 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 no. Grace is our fuel. So make this season, this Lenten season, a season of grace, great grace from one moment to the next. God, come live with me. Come come dwell in me. Let my body, my mind, my will be your dwelling place. Kate Bowler has written some reflections on Lent, the season that we're entering into now. And uh, it's called God on the Losing Team. She writes, we're entering into a season in the church calendar called Lent, 40 days where we're reminded that God is on the losing team. So if you ever feel like a loser, inadequate, not up to snuff, guilty, filled with regrets, God's on your team. God wants to live in you. For many Christians, Lent is a time to temporarily abstain from vices or try new spiritual practices uh, or give up Chick-fil-A milkshakes. Uh, she notes Lent conveniently corresponds with spring break diet season in anticipation of beach vacations. Praise the Lord. Many of my friends, she says, give up alcohol or promise to pray more. Those are not bad things to do. She writes, in the height of my sickness, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer as the mom of a little two-year-old child. Great despair. In the height of my sickness, I took up swearing for Lent. Now there's a practice you're not likely to read about in books on spiritual formation. 
But she explains, to be honest, I was mad. I was exhausted by being in a world that seemed to like me better when I was healthy and wholesome and whole. Do you know God does not like you any better? No matter how healthy or wholesome or whole you get. It felt like I had fallen behind somehow. After all, who wants to root for the losing team? God does. As Christians, we choose to love a God who died. A God who rises, yes, but a God that we spend 40 days mucking around uh, with in the unpleasant weight of a life condemned. Lent makes us fit in our ability to be alive. By attending to God's death, we know better how to live. She writes in one place, Jesus' life did not turn out super well. One of the great uh, understatements of all spiritual life. It didn't. So why would I expect my life ought to turn out super well if I follow him? On Ash Wednesday, that's today, the sign of the cross is traced on our foreheads by hands which on other days fed us the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. We are confronted again by our own finitude. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, earth to earth, ashes to ashes. These ashes are made from the palm branches waved by the church children singing their hosannas last Easter. That's traditionally how the ashes get formed. They hold the hidden DNA of a story that was more about life than about death. What is smeared on our foreheads is a symbol of a profound reality that Jesus riding into Jerusalem to the cross is the beginning of the end of all sad endings. The beginning of the end of all sad endings. I will sometimes have a dream where somebody that I love very much appears to me in a surprise and what seemed to be irretrievably lost is suddenly found again. And what seemed to be irreparably broken has somehow been fixed or made whole or healed. Then I wake up and then I have to remember, it is not so. It is only a dream. For I live, like you do, in the world of sad endings. And death is the ultimate teacher about this. But we are told in this story, in this journey, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, that he must reign, he must work, until every enemy has been placed under his feet. And that's a lot of enemies, and we all face them. And they are outside of us, and they are inside of us. Deceit, betrayal, suffering, pain, guilt, regret, envy, greed, resentment, hatred, violence, war, racism. And then Paul says in verse 26, And the last enemy to be defeated is death. It is the sad ending of every life and it's lurking around after all the other battles like in a movie where you know the ultimate villain must be the final one defeated. Made me think about a movie. This is not a spiritually mature movie. I'm not recommending it. It started Liam Neeson. It's called Taken. And in this film, his daughter, whom he loves, has been abducted. And he calls the enemy the one who would take her and says... Uh, I do not know what you want. I do not know if you want a ransom. 
I will tell you, I haven't any money. What I have are a very particular set of skills that make me a nightmare to a person like you. And that particular set of skills revolves around his ability to kill. And then we watch one enemy after another enemy after another enemy being destroyed until at last the last enemy that holds his child is destroyed. And that movie struck a real deep chord with people because we want there to be justice and we want little abducted children to be redeemed and we want the love of a father to emerge triumphant and that is the great story that is the great story that we remember with this one difference that in the ultimate hero his very particular set of skills involved not the ability to kill but the ability to die who would make up a story like that because it turns out that the villain the person into whom wrongness had crept and the beloved child was the same person. And so much to everybody's surprise, a Messiah who could kill is not what the world needed. The world needed a Messiah who could die. And so he came with this very particular set of skills, humility and self-sacrificing love and a heart that would not quit and an iron determination and a willingness to let it all go. And we go with him. We go to the cross with him. We remember during this season, we die alongside of him so that we might live alongside of him. So what I want to offer you at the beginning of this Lenten season with whatever uh, decisions, intention that you form very simply to journey together with God in this season, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Lord, come be with me. Even if you're not sure there is a God, even if you're not sure there is a Jesus, just uh, whatever goodness there is. God, whoever you are, I want to know you. I want to experience you. Make it very simple. Somebody asked Kate Bowler if her prayers had changed having to face death the way that she has. And she says, I think maybe they have because I don't have the luxury of being too sophisticated anymore. It's a brilliant academician. You just get infected with this urgency that comes with facing your death. So I pray for very basic things. Please God, make me kind and open to the pain of the world. That's called vocation. Please God, make me less of a dink. Now the technical term for that is sanctification, but I, I like her words a lot more. Make me less of a dink. Help me be a good mom and a good wife and a good person. God come. Where does God dwell? Where does God dwell? I will tell you where he dwells. He dwells in you with a very particular set of skills that will let you die to everything to which you need to die and allow a glorious person to be reborn in you and me. God come dwell in me. Let's walk this journey together.